0: Hello
1: and welcome to It Takes Courage to Tell the Truth. This podcast features interviews from women around the world focusing on birth, business, sustainability, health, sex, death and money. I'm your host, Eleanor Bancroft. To the
0: show hi ella thanks for having me
1: no worries i've been waiting for this conversation for a long time so i'm really excited to have you i'd just like to begin with asking you about your story and your story with working with mushrooms and how you became kayla the mushroom woman
0: well i've, I've always had a fascination with nature Um, I loved the idea of creating potions when I was younger and medicine and yeah I just I tree planted for a couple years and I noticed quite a bit of fungi around and that sparked my interest in more natural medicine routes and I'd say a big gateway into it was really with psilocybin I've never my experience gave me so much energy and my mind felt explosive with inspirations and I felt and I had like some Serious downloads about philosophical ideas of how this universe was created and how things were all interconnected And that's kind of when I realized this is my medicine. Nothing has ever made me feel as amazing as as psilocybin has And then and then when I settled into Byron at the end of my first year, I needed I needed farm work and I just kept saying I was gonna get my farm work in Byron Bay working with mushrooms and by some miraculous synchronistic events Um, I started working for a life cycle, making medicinal mushroom tinctures and became the extraction master. That was kind of the beginning of it and the beginning of what is now my, I feel like my life journey. When I got that job, I just, there was like this overwhelming feeling like, like something about this was going to be with me for the rest of my life. And it's become very clear that that's my passion with mushrooms and how they can, they can change the world.
1: Mm, and I love having a female voice talk to mushrooms, um, medicinal, edible, and also psilocybin, cel- because it feels like in the mushroom expertise world, it seems to be really overrun with male voices. Do, do you feel that?
0: Yeah, I see. I have noticed that a lot, and I, I find that most of my interactions have been with men. However, there are a lot of females super interested in it. Um, I think that comes down to the actual cultivation aspects. There's some technological and more mechanical aspects that might seem like a lot of work or like men might be a bit more, have a bit more aptitude to getting that kind of thing done. But I think I, I know of quite a few females who are really into the psilocybin, like the fungi world and are huge advocates for it, just maybe in a different, in a different a different way a different form
1: okay so if we're going to be thinking about mushrooms um how do they work in our environment how are they i guess part of the big picture
0: yeah well fungi are the bridge between life and death they are nature's ultimate recyclers converting organic matter into soil which creates a platform for more life and that life then feeds back to feed the fungi later on the cycle continues their intelligence goes beyond what we have even begun to understand. They communicate with one another and the surroundings to bring balance and protection through their mysterious mechanisms. <laughs> um, they create medicine for organisms and unlock vital nutrients, which just yeah perpetuates the cycle of life.
1: What about? I guess like what's the difference between like mushroom and mycelium? there are so many terminologies for for mushrooms you know you've got like fungi and mushroom and mycelium and and how do they all interconnect
0: mm. yeah so fungi is related to the whole kingdom it's there's it's the fifth kingdom it's different from it used to be one with plants and then they realized that they're very different um mycelium is the complex thin filament network that's underground and throughout logs breaking down the material. And the fruiting body is an extension of the mycelium. It is what the fruiting body is what we call a mushroom. Mm.
1: So that's the thing that comes above the ground and what we pick. Okay.
0: Yeah, exactly. But I think mushrooms has just become the terminology to describe all of it, but really it's fungi, the whole, every, that's including molds, yeast, like mycelium mushrooms that we can't even see
1: what is like what is the I guess role of mycelium like how does it work on the earth I know you mentioned it earlier but specifically
0: mycelium yeah mycelium work has a form of externalized stomachs. So they release enzymes and acids into the environment to break down complex molecules um, and absorb these nutrients through chain like cell networks to extend their mycelium further along. Um, they, they're saprophytes breaking down, meaning that they decompose organic material so they can convert a dead or dying tree into back into soil which then is a fertile platform for life to grow again. They have the ability to unlock these vital nutrients where plants um, don't quite have the same strength of enzymes and acids to unlock those vital nutrients such as potassium, magnesium, calcium, in in the same way as fungi do. So they work quite symbiotically in many ways.
1: Historically, mycelium or mushrooms seem to have been around for, you know, as long as it's dated or we can remember. But what do you feel is like the relationship towards human evolution and mushrooms?
0: Yeah, so they have found fungi in fossil records dating back to 420 million years ago. Protaxia is what they called them, which was a giant fossil of 10 meters in height towered across the landscapes. They found fossilized protaxias in Canada, Saudi Arabia, South Africa, as well as little mushroom formations embedded in amber dated back 90 to 94 million years ago. Yeah, it's also believed that we evolved from fungi. Like 650 million years ago, we split in an evolutionary pathway where we developed sacs that encompassed um, digestive juices, essentially like primitive stomachs and other adaptive characteristics um, becoming turning into mammals and fungi went underground. So we've we've come from them in some way or it's suggested that we have. One branch of fungi, evolution, leads to the development of animals. Nutrients come to be captured and digested in cellular stacks, essentially the beginning forms of stomachs, followed shortly by adaptive characteristics, such as skin and other organs branching into various new life forms.
1: Mm, Wow, that's so amazing. (laughs) Something I didn't (laughs) know. And I feel like I'm such an advocate of mushrooms, but you're such a wealth of knowledge. Um, so okay mushrooms and consciousness this is something that has kind of been on my mind for a period of time you know specifically psilocybin i'm looking thinking about but you know medicinal mushrooms also which are coming into a lot of kind of like trendy health spaces at the moment how and what are the effects of let's start with psilocybin first with um the human consciousness
0: yeah so i'm deep into the book food of the gods by terence mckenna and he talks about how psilocybin and other hallucinogenic plants are what may have been the um forefront of human evolution and and our and consciousness like our ability to have cognitive thoughts and ideas and move towards more of a um the ability to make decisions based on our surroundings rather than a programmed behavior that you see in animals. Over several million years, we saw the, our brain size tripled, which is the fastest known evolutionary progression that we have yet to see in nature, which is, could largely be due to these psilocybin mushrooms they could have been, they could have found psilocybin mushrooms have um, neurogenesis properties where they promote brains to grow new axons and if you were to take a look at the brain under an MRI while you're on psilocybin it's highly active in compared to when you're not on psilocybin um, yeah they thought they would think that psilocybin was to help with um, helps with visual acuity, rep- sexual reproduction, and language.
1: Psilocybin in itself. I know that mm, you know there's a lot of stigma around um, you know magic mushrooms or psilocybin in this country because it's still illegal. And I know that in the U.S. and Canada specifically, they're looking at um, lifting the laws around. Um, psilocybin being illegal and there's been many papers and research done on how psilocybin can really help to improve mental health and anxiety what are your thoughts on on why psilocybin is illegal
0: considering it, it it's it's a fungi that grows in nature uh, that one that question trips me out all the time is to me it's like if nature is providing something for us why who has the right to say that it's illegal (laughs) potentially it's fear driven like a lack of understanding of of the mysteries that come with psilocybin itself um i think that there is a progression in in consciousness and evolution at the moment that potentially is moving moving us all forward slowly but surely into recognizing this as a potent medicine for our civilization
1: um, Australia and America, they have so many similarities, but uh, America seems to be really lifting a lot of laws on psychedelics in general. And I know that things like microdosing, uh, LSD, and mushrooms, it's, it's really big on the West Coast and, you know, especially around mm-hmm. the Silicon Valley space. Can you talk to what
0: microdosing does? Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, microdosing is a small, I mean, 0.1 to 0.2 grams of dried psilocybin mushrooms. Hmm. Like I mentioned before, psilocybin has neogenesis capabilities and not everyone wants to take, like a large dose is reality altering and they a lot can come up and a lot can be processed. So by taking a small, minute amount you're getting that neurogenesis benefit of and enhancing your visual acuity and your language skills and focus and clarity of what you're working on. People in Silicon Valley are working toward microdosing to enhance creativity when it comes to different um, computer programming techniques. Uh, Given that computer programming is sort of, and the internet is kind of a parallel to my mycelial networks, it it seems quite fitting to me when I think about it. And as far as the difference between Australia and U.S. regulations, I think that that could potentially be largely to do with the amount of research being done in the States and proving towards the fact that psilocybin has potent um, effects to help with anxiety and depression, as well as post-traumatic stress, um, extinction of fear, which is a big one for all of us. You can, it, it give, puts you in, into another parallel so that you can be re-experiencing something that may have happened to you in a detached manner where you're able to process it and not be re-traumatized. You can move through the trauma and, and have new revelations to move forward with your life.
1: That comment so, there makes me think that's probably the reason why it's illegal. I have a very big theory that, you know, the system kind <laughs> of, the system is kind of set up to tra- keep us traumatized, you know, and um, I'm not, you know, at, at all suggesting that that was um, the initial atten- intention, but Um, For sure. I think that as humans when we're traumatized, we definitely externally consume more and We're embedded in you know capitalist consumerist Society and so if if you have freedom in nature and you can eat it and it can free you from your traumas That's probably not something that you know really fits into the paradigm of consumerism and capitalism Yeah, exactly Exactly. And it's so, like, it's interesting because, it, you know, each government um, only deals with the research within their own country. And so that then dictates the laws. And what we really need is more people, like, advocating for the use of psilocybin in order to change the laws and, and really show that the research, um, you know, is similar to the way that they're doing in the States. And that's kind of how we would make change. Is that is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I reckon, like... As far as research, it is really expensive to get those kinds of grants for those studies. And unfortunately it is quite frowned upon. I think there's a lot of ridicule that comes, um, but over time it has it ha- is being opened up and more recognized scientists are stepping forward to, to take those steps of acknowledging this potent medicine for what it is and doing it in a controlled environment where we can prove that what, these mushrooms have to offer is is revolutionary
1: and um i know that like other psychedelic plants such as like you know ayahuasca or peyote these are um you know often conducted or taken like with a shaman and would you suggest that they had somebody there that was able to kind of hold space or um you know be that kind of like mushroom shaman in a
0: way for them Mm, yeah, I certainly think it's a good idea. For larger doses, like you never know what's going to come up for you or what in your reality is going to change so much that having someone there to support you and give you anything you need, even so much as like water or a cuddle, is it could just completely change your experience. And as far as taking psilocybin mushrooms, I feel like setting and environment is so important for a good experience and just being yeah mentally ready and surrendering to to whatever the mushrooms want to want to show you
1: Um, talking about setting um like setting as in where they are in the environment like what would you like Mm -hmm. recommend um first timers or even people that um have done it and haven't liked it but want to revisit it again like what what is a kind of ideal environment to be utilizing the
0: psilocybin in your body I find that being out in nature is amazing like out in the forest or at the beach um anywhere where you feel safe though even if you are doing it in in the comforts of your own home with people you love or by yourself just feeling Feeling safe. I think if you are doing it for the first time on your own, it is it is nice to have someone there to share the experience with you, and in case you feel uh, slightly uncomfortable with it or afraid with what might come up.
1: Safety and love it sounds like a mushroom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> if I could embody the in mushroom in two words, that would be it um yeah definitely all of them well most of them maybe not the death cat but they serve their own purpose
1: <laughs> yeah so it's the, there isn't just the psilocybin mushrooms there's also um edible mushrooms and and um edible in the form of you know culinary or you can cook with what are some mushrooms that you find to be the most nutrient dense
0: mm, yeah well Oyster mushrooms, I, I grew them and sold them at the market for a while, and they are del- divine. You can cook them in so many different ways. They've got so much flavor to them, really quite meaty. Um, same with shiitake as well, enoki, shimeji, yeah, chestnut mushrooms. Uh, but lettuce mushrooms are also beautiful. Uh, different, like porcini is, or sep is what it's called. I uh, found some, foraged some in South Africa, and they're quite nutty in flavor, which is, yeah, it was something new to me in the way, and each mushroom has their own way of being kind of prepared. If you're to go with a boletus mushroom, you'd scoop out the pores underneath, which is the spore-releasing surface, chop them up and cook them, and yeah, they, they each have their own unique flavor to them that can be quite strong, surprisingly, and, and their own antimicrobial, antiviral, immune-stimulating properties. Mushrooms aren't a vegetable, are they? No, they're, they're their own kingdom. Yeah, so there's one to two million species of mushrooms. Whoa. And of those one to two million species, fungi outnumber plants at a ratio of six to one. About 10% of fungi are what we call mushrooms, the fruiting bodies we talked about, and only about 10% of mushroom species have been identified. So right now we're at about 14,000 identified species. And in terms of foraging
1: mushrooms, you know, going out, um, I, 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 I know pine mushrooms, you know, they grow in a lot of pine forests around um, Sydney. It's a conducive weather for them. They only kind of fruit, I guess, a certain time of year. But what would you suggest that people do if they do want to go out and forage mushrooms but their first-time foragers?
0: Hmm. I would say that if you know someone that has already foraged before, you could go out with them and they can show you or or just do your research. Look up online mushrooms that could be growing in your area. And if you go out looking for chicken of the woods or SEP lettuce mushrooms or chanterelles really be understanding what they look like what color of spores they have where they might be found in the landscape um, which is important Uh, and if you're not sure go with this like don't eat it but there are you can find a lot of forums that will tell you the color of spores it should have, how it should look, where you might find it, and those characteristics can pretty much give you, give you an answer of whether you found what you're looking for or not.
1: Yeah, and on that note, there are so many magic mushrooms, and not just the psilocybin ones, but there there are also dangerous mushrooms too. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, would you talk a little bit about the dangerous mushrooms or just that people... Um, you know, need to be aware or wary when they are um, in nature and dealing with mushrooms. Like my, one of my questions is like, if you touched a poisonous mushroom, like, could that affect you?
0: Mm, No, not touching it. I think, yeah, definitely there are certain mushrooms. There are certain psilocybin mushrooms that have a lookalike death cap, very similar. Thankfully, (sighs) just for the record psilocybin cubensis or, or gold tops and paniolus mushrooms don't have any lookalikes that are that are deadly so those ones feel quite safe but yeah really knowing what you're looking for. Um, someone the other day told me she went to a mushroom conference and she came away with the fact that Poisonous mushrooms are spicy on the palate. So if you were to nibble a poisonous mushroom and taste it on your palate, it would be spicy. Now, I'm not advocating for anyone to go out and try this, and I personally don't know for sure, but I just thought it was an interesting fact that or potential way of identification of of death caps. Again, not recommending people to go do that, but I just thought I would share. But also...
1: It's a way that our ancestors would have, you know, gotten to learn the environment around them. You know, it's really just taking like like that small, little space and then waiting a long period of time and seeing if um, that would have an effect on them.
0: (laughs) Mm, Yeah, I mean, traditionally, they, our ancestors foraged for mushrooms to use for a, a multitude of different, different resources, and and primates as well. There's 22 primates that feed that use food fungi as food 23 being human and none of them die from poisonous intoxication of mushrooms so therefore they must have some way of, of determining whether mushrooms poisonous or not and who's to say that we couldn't tap into that potential as well absolutely
1: um currently in your life now are you foraging most of your mushrooms or growing them
0: bit of both i go out in the woods often and out into the fields to look for mushrooms i find it makes me really centered and focused and i feel really connected and quite calm after after i do that um i'm in the process of turning my laundry room into a laboratory so i can cultivate my own mushrooms like go out foraging and bring them back and Create cultures of of the different species I find uh, so yeah and and so I'm growing a couple species of oyster and some wine caps at the moment, and hope to be expanding that shortly
1: cool, and I, like mushroom growing seems to be so. Um on right now i know a lot of these people have like these mushroom spore boxes but um for people that can't get access to them how how would you go about growing your own mushrooms
0: at home there's a couple really simple methods that people could do if you were for example if you were to find um an edible mushroom in the forest like for example oyster shiitake lions mane even or really any other, any kind of mushroom you find, you can make a mushroom slurry, which is, say, a bucket of water, a bit of molasses, and throwing in the mushroom in there, letting it sit for a couple hours so that the mushroom can release its spores, and then spraying it out into your surroundings. Hypothetically, say say it's a wood loving species kind of kind of getting to know the species that you're working with that you're trying to grow as well if you're working with a wood loving species um, like wine caps you might want to you could put it in your gardens and spray out this mushroom slurry you've made and over time the spores will germinate and myceliate the wood chips and in like six months to a year you could have wine caps and that just will continue to fruit when the conditions are right if you keep giving them new nutrients, new wood chips. Um, so does that um, apply also to psilocybin? Yeah, you could spray psilocybin out in a in a compost tea or a mushroom slurry, no problem. I mean does it I've done have it before be- and I found mushrooms in weird places and I thought it was really funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> does it have to be I mean I have this like I feel like, um, this idea that, you know, like most magic mushrooms grow in cow shit. And so like, if you were going to be reproducing it, we have to be spraying it on cow shit.
0: (laughs) Um, yeah, it's a bit of a mind, a mind fuck on that one. (laughs) It's a bit, it's a bit crazy to think about, but yeah, they can grow on other, on other mediums. Like you can spray them out. In a citrus field, I found a gold top out in a citrus field and there's no cow dung around. Um, They won't grow quite as rampantly. That is their preferred mode of substrate, but that doesn't mean they won't grow on other mediums as well. I've noticed fungi to be quite adaptable, like some mushrooms more than others, quite adaptable in their nutrient source
1: like nutrients and and medicinal mushrooms go pretty hand in hand. Um, What are your kind of top four medicinal mushrooms at the moment?
0: I feel really quite connected to reishi at the moment. Um, So I'd say reishi, turkey tail, lion's mane and shiitake, quite fascinating to me. Um, I think it's just the ones that I've mainly been really exposed to, and I'm definitely not limited to those as my medicinal mushrooms, but the medicinal effects that they have are incredible. Would you go through
1: those four and just um, enlighten me on what the what the benefits
0: of each one is? Yeah, of course. So reishi is Latin, in Latin is derma luciendum and luciendum means shiny or brilliant which was referring to the fruiting body itself it had the top layer of the fruiting body has a varnished looking coating anywhere from or from reddish to orange to black Um, reishi in japanese also means divine and in china they call this mushroom lingzi which is tree of life mushroom it is a medicine for the heart and lungs. They, it is also known as the panacea of mushrooms. Panacea meaning the solution or remedy for all difficulties and diseases. They've used this mushroom to kill all an assortment of ailments from dizziness, insomnia, chronic bronchitis, liver pain, and symptoms with anorexia, progressive muscular dystrophy, hyperlipidemia, diabetes, and Depression, anxiety, and so on. Um, they there is a range of compounds in reishi, mycelium, fruiting body, and even spores that are quite medicinal, and and these include triterpenes, polysaccharides, alkaloids, proteins, glycoproteins, sterols, and these these compounds work in concert to balance our internal ecosystems. So. Being more so like a heart medicine, it acts as a cardiotonic, meaning it favors all actions of the heart, lowering blood pressure, enhancing bone, bone marrow cell proliferations, building new blood cells to be created and transported throughout the body, invigorating, supporting, um, liver protecting, and detoxifying. It's, it's an anti-inflammatory, an antibacterial, antiviral, antioxidant, anti-tumor, anti-HIV. Um, the list really goes on and on. Like they've even used, used it as an anti-allergen. They've made medicines in China with four different species of Ganoderma and created an anti-allergic medicine to help with type 1 to 4 food sensitivities. Which, so it, inhi- it works to inhibit and modulate the release of histamine, um, which is a compound that regulates inflammation, and this prevents the inflammatory response of allergic reactions.
1: So Reishi's like the queen of mushrooms, the queen of the queendom.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Healing the environment as well as like our, our internal ecosystems are immense power. What would be
1: the, like, most
0: um, beneficial way to ingest reishi? Mm, so reishi is quite hard. It converts um, really complex molecules found in wood into a hard fruiting body surface. So you can slice it up and simmer it for several hours and to make a tea or put it in soup, um, You can make tinctures, which would be hot water and ethanol extraction. Now, with those two, you get different compounds coming out into the medium that you're extracting it in. You get water-soluble compounds like polysaccharides in the water extraction and more um, triterpenes and sterols coming through in the ethanol extraction. And that would give you a more all-encompassing medicinal product. So as far as, far as um, reishi goes, tinctures are a really good option and some powders are a, very good, are a really good option when they take into consideration of like a dried mycelial mass. Um, a lot of the ones found out today are from like a li- from a liquid culture, a liquid mycelium culture that is dried and turned into a powder.
1: Okay, and so turkey tail. The second on your medicinal mushroom list,
0: what are the benefits of turkey tail? Mm. Turkey tail is anti-tumor compound. It inhibits the growth of cancer cells. Um, It has antiviral activity. It's a strong antibiotic effect against E. coli, candida, and other microbial pathogens. Um, Yeah. So as an anti-tumor property, it acts directly on the tumor cell by stopping the proliferation of growth on the tumor cell and works to upregulate the immune system. So enhancing those natural killer cells to fight against and break down this tumor cell and eradicate it from the body. It has, it showed incredible um, strengths with cancer patients and and has remarkably improved the immunological activity in in patients going through chemotherapy and radiation and helps to restore restore the body's health much like three times faster than than without it
1: Hmm. turkey tail that's a good one (laughs)
0: lion's mane okay
1: this is my favorite Only because I I don't know much about it, but I started taking lion's mane and I definitely saw a difference in um, like my energy and um, my cognitive um, functioning. So I don't know if that's what lion's manes do, but um, would you enlighten me on the benefits of lion's mane?
0: Mm, Yeah, it's a white globular shaped mushroom with long cascading teeth where spores are released. So it itself is is quite beautiful. Uh, When you cut it open, the fruiting body open itself, it looks like the inside of a brain, which pays tribute to its medicinal benefit of being a neuroprotective. And it has, they found two classes of nerve growth factors so far. And these molecules stimulate remyelination of our neurons and re- stimulates new growth of neurons and has been shown to be a really positive medicine for treating alzheimer's disease repairing neurological trauma increasing cognitive ability and and perhaps improving um with nerve degeneration muscular dystrophy type illnesses as well
1: I got my mom on Lion's Mane about a year ago Um, not because she has Alzheimer's but just because I thought what a good way to get her just taking something that capable to like help prevent that in the future you know I think like especially with the fast-paced nature of our society and all of the information that we have on hand it's really hard to retain that information, because it's almost like we just look it up and then it dissipates. And so I really found like Lions Man in my life and my mom's life has really helped us to kind of hold on to information, like be aware of our facts, um, even memories, you know, which also help in a relationship um, dynamic between mother and daughter, because then you can really like be accurate on your memory telling, which is good in a fight, you know? <laughs> good in a fight. <laughs>
0: Yeah I mean it, it also works to be quite calming to your system too so it it has as ability to be kind of relaxing and, and as you said energizing I I think the relaxing comes with not being having too much anxiety it reduces the amount of anxiety in our system but it gives us more of a of a natural flow of energy because we are more connected to our brain pathways and and thus for our bodies like clarity clarity relaxes me. Mm. Uh, I had had this lady come visit me at the market once and she saw me and she's like, oh my gosh, you've just reminded me of my dream. And she had a dream that she was sitting in a council room with her family getting told that she had early onset of, of Alzheimer's disease and that she needed lion's mane. And when she saw me she was asking me questions about lion's mane and I told her where she could go get it and she went and purchased lion's mane a lion's mane tincture and I, I ran into her a few weeks later and she told me that that night she took it for the first time and she had a dream about scraping away cobwebs and forging new pathways and woke up feeling clear with more energy than she ever has before and I was I was blown away by this I'm, so beautiful to hear her uh, how it's transformed her already after one day. (laughs) I notice
1: like the difference if I take my lion's mane at night exactly that it really shifts the way that I remember my dreams how clear they are um, what kind Mm -hmm. of dreams I have in comparison to if I'm taking my tincture in the morning.
0: Yeah yeah they serve, they serve their own benefit, of course. Like, I like to have a little bit in the morning and the evening, so I get that day clarity and focus, and then in the evening time <clears throat> being able to recall my, my dreams and the gateway into that, those messages that come through. Double dose, you lion's mane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, on that note, though, I will say that not to take too much, because I have heard if you do take too much every day, you can get headaches.
1: Too much of anything's not a good thing. Exactly. Even too much water you can drown yourself.
0: (laughs) Precisely.
1: (laughs) Okay, so our last one, shiitake. Shiitake. Oh,
0: I I love shiitake. It is, yeah, so all these mushrooms have, especially edible ones, um, when eaten, they have got such a complex range of macro and micronutrients, these different vitamins and minerals that help to keep your body functioning optimally and essential amino acids the uh the the medicine that comes from shiitake works as an antiviral and anti-tumor um it showed benefits against uh herpes type one and two and and against the virus of polio measles mumps has yeah just great benefit in treating bacterial or parasitic infections Again, like these other mushrooms, it helps to lower blood pressure, free cholesterol and lipids from the blood, and really, yeah, clean out your system.
1: If I was to take reishi and turkey's tail, lion mane, and shiitake every day all together, um, would that just mean that I would become like a superhuman, or would you recommend like working with individual mushrooms over a long period of time?
0: Mm, I think having. I, i've wondered about this quite a bit and i feel that sometimes you don't like taking all of them at once you might not be getting the full benefit from all of them um it's too much competition i would say having a diet with a regular amount of edible mushrooms shiitake oysters forage mushrooms you find morels whatever uh would be highly benefiting and and taking taking regular lion's mane, turkey tail, and reishi um, is only going to benefit your system. But maybe what, what I like to do personally, and you, I think you should follow your own intuition on this, is I like to to spread them out over the course of the day and have them at sometimes at different times rather than all at once, to kind of give give the the spirit of that that mushroom the chance to to work do its work in my body without being without having anything else interacting with it.
1: And if I'm like, say, for example, using the lion's mane, and then I decide um, oh, I've run out of my tincture, and it, is it, are the effects gonna stay with me or do I need to have like a continual um, tincture and a continual kind of amount coming into my body over the period to see
0: the effects last? Mm, I think the effects will stick with you for a while, but over time, depending on your lifestyle and the way you live your life, it could start to degrade. So I don't see any, I don't see any harm in continuing to take um, this medicine. I think it would only benefit you. Yeah, to keep keep that momentum moving forward. Well, that's good to know. Um, there are so
1: many different mushroom companies out in the world today and um i do know that you know some of them aren't necessarily sourced um in the best climates and so sometimes that can have an even bigger effect on our health what would you recommend in terms of um like the product line that are out there in terms of the ones that i guess are the most sustainable um or are coming from like kind of really eat healthy ground because we're really thinking about you know the similar way to a plant i'm sure the mushroom also absorbs toxins in like the air and the earth and um well yeah i guess what companies would you recommend for people to go to if they did want to start experimenting with medicinal mushrooms
0: Mm. yeah mushrooms mushrooms are a product of their environment and you go into a forest and find Find several different reishis or other medicinal mushrooms that would have different medicinal, varying medicinal benefits because of the different stressors that they've been exposed to. So, as far as the best company to go for, I think knowing where your source is coming from, how it's being created, um, are all beneficial things to follow by. I find where I am right now, um, I mean, Life Cycle they make theirs locally, and I worked for them for a while. Um, Super Feast is also, I think, quite a reliable, reliable source. Mason has he's traveled over to China to go see the farms and how and how they cultivate it. And China is one of the old has some of the oldest knowledge as far as mushroom cultivation goes. Um, I would definitely trust Paul Stamett's company, Fungi Perfecti. Um, yeah. I, th- I think it's just following your intuition and doing, doing a bit of research into the companies you do want to um, invest your health into.
1: Yeah. And not just the ones that are, you know, growing um, them, you know, in good areas, but also thinking about carbon footprint as well. I know that, um, that, Lifecycle is one of the first ones i started working with as well and um purely because it was the mushroom company that um actually grows most of their mushrooms in australia is that right
0: yeah i mean that's a huge benefit of it
1: local economy and feedback system you know um, as much as i know about Um, eating from the land I've always been taught that like eat from what's around you because the soil um, you know which you walk on is going to be producing the same nutrients in which your body needs for that climate and so I also really love supporting local and of course Mason is also local from the northern rivers him and his um, partner Tani and you know supporting them is 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 great where we can and just to acknowledge that there are Australian mushroom companies I think is is really good for people to understand that so that they don't have to always be looking to go to you know america for example and buying on amazon and these kind of bigger companies which really take away from what we're doing on the ground level and um our own country
0: yeah i mean what i would love to see happening is people becoming much more connected to this medicine that they feel like they could go look for it themselves and, and forage responsibly. I mean, what by, by, I mean by that is not over foraging and taking too much from the landscape, but really connecting in with these mushrooms themselves and, and turning it into their own medicine.
1: And speaking of turning into their own medicine, um, a place where people could come and forage with you, um, where where are you
0: placed right now
1: as an educator and supplier with the mushrooms?
0: Yeah, I I just moved into a new place with my partner, and we're setting up a lab in the laundry room, and and going to be um, doing some outdoor cultivation of a range of medicinal species. That, yeah, I would love I'd love to provide to people. Um, in the Byron Shire region northern rivers and I'd like to really like to start running workshops soon so I can teach people how to grow their own mushrooms from mycelium and they can really get absorbed into the beauty of watching their own medicine forming before their eyes and I would definitely be at that workshop
1: <laughs> when and when and where you do it just let me know Um, Mm. Michaela, how do people get in contact with you? Like, um, you know, you don't have. obviously we're in amongst the COVID times, so it's a bit hard to even put anything on with more than one or two people, but, um, in the future, how will people get in contact with you and gain more knowledge about how to jump into your workshops or how to access kind of products from you? Mm.
0: Um, you can follow me on Instagram at alchemistic.fungi. I will be putting a lot more information up I've got so many cool photos and projects that I'd love to share with everyone and I just want to be yeah really transparent with everything that I'm doing and get people excited along with me
1: Ah, oh, Michaela I absolutely love your brains you are Michaela the magic mushroom woman in my eyes thank you so much
0: <laughs> thank you for helping the spread of this knowledge
1: no, thank you for your passion and and real dedication to something that like I I feel so connected with in one way or another, whether it be edible, medicinal, psilocybin, you know. And I think um, I think mushrooms are, are are really still like untouched in the in the mainstream. We really need to be looking at that. Um, that kingdom, like you said, is another source of nutrients and a, and a place where we can really tap into connecting back to mama and the earth and, and each other. Yep, certainly. Um, Michaela, before we end, I have one question for you. It's a question yep. that I ask every, every woman I interview. <laughs> um, what is the biggest truth that you have discovered in this? a human
0: experience. The biggest truth I've discovered is by being myself and following what I'm passionate about, things beauty and love just continues to attract into my field and perpetuate the cycle of of this incredible life. And I feel so fortunate to be where I am today with the people that I'm surrounded by, constantly inspired. the biggest lesson is to follow follow what you're passionate about i reckon
1: thank you michaela Mm, thank you ella and i look forward to getting more information out there about you and um if people want to get in contact with me or follow you on instagram we'll make sure we keep everyone in the loop with upcoming workshops and more information on um you educating people because your brain is amazing and i honestly could listen to you for days so Mm.
0: much love everyone (laughs) thanks love (laughs)